Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Theology Podcast, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to ordinary everyday believers like you and me. My name is Ben Campbell. I'm joined with just one of our hosts, and that is the one, the only, Dusty Walters. Dusty, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. Uh, I love my my new nickname that you gave me there. I'm glad to be I, here. I just made that up, yeah. <laughs> but it is always a pleasure to be here uh, with you all. I hope our listeners enjoy it at least a little bit. And I hope all of our listeners also enjoy the variety. You know, we've got four contributors now here at Everyday Theology. We're grateful for what God's doing. And um, our prayer is that through each of our different weaknesses, <laughs> uh, that God's presence and God's grace will shine through us. Uh, but we hope that you guys all have kind of a little bit of flavor and variety, uh, just getting to hear from different ones of us at different times. And also want to remind you all, remember that episode 100 is coming up on March 17th. And if you've been following our yes. social media pages, um, we hope you have been following our pages. Uh, there is a graphic that we want you guys to interact with on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and we want you guys to interact with us uh, to get a chance to be entered to win some Everyday Theology merch. Now that we've had our commercial about episode 100. <laughs> yes. So we are uh, we are excited about the 100th episode. Um, and that's going to be super cool. We're, we're hoping to have all of our contributors on to uh, sort of talk about that and to introduce some new things to you. Uh, but today what we're going to do is we are going to discuss... Um, sort of a an Arminian reflection on the problem of evil and uh, sort of how the Bible shows us how we can or or how the Lord rather uh, plans to overtake the problem of evil um, or how the problem of evil is to be fixed. Um, so you think about uh, some of these apologetic questions, Dustin, you know, um, if God is so good and loving, like, why is there evil in the world? Um, you know, why would a good God send people to hell? Um, you know, why why do bad things happen to good people? Um, you know, Dustin, is, is there, um, tell us a little bit about the problem of evil and why those questions don't necessarily measure up to what we're trying to accomplish here in this apologetic um scenario here one of the things i love ben uh as before we kind of get into the weeds of the problem of evil um this question is one that every person relates to and really it reminds me of four lines's um inescapable questions of life mm -hmm. you know he really argued that every person on the planet no matter where you are you're going to have these deep questions at your level of humanity that Otherwise, you just have to answer it. And these questions really frame your whole view of the world and culture and life and meaning and all that. So there's anthropology, there's church, there, there's 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 so many implications, whether they're anthropological, theological or whatever. Now, the problem of evil is what theologians are talking about when they're trying to understand how there could be a good God in a world that is not good sometimes. Now, there's so many different avenues that we can go with this, uh, but yeah. when we talk about the problem of evil in this episode, Ben, what we're talking about is the existence of evil 
which is traced back to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And what we're going to argue in this episode is that Genesis 3 is foundational for how we understand the whole story of the Bible. In fact, without Genesis 3, um, the whole story of both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant make no sense. So that's really, I think, kind of what we want to get into today as we think about the problem of evil. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it's really, you know, you can almost say there's some covenant theology in this as the problem of evil trying to uh, kind of trying to reckon evil and good. So you think about the problem of evil and, and really there's sort of a, a couple of different aspects here that you could that you could really kind of hone in on. Um, one is that there's there's a logical problem of evil, but then there's sort of an emotional problem as well. Um, so so Dustin, let's look at then how we can kind of reckon again the 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 existence of both a good God and a fallen world. I want to point our listeners to a resource that I've found particularly helpful in this category. William Lane Craig and J.P. Moreland wrote a, a book called Philosophical Foundations for a Christian Worldview. Now, this is a reference work. It's it's kind of bulky, Ben. It'll take up a little bit of space on your shelf. But I found it to be particularly helpful answering questions about apologetics. Um, and they have a chapter on the problem of evil. So Craig and Moreland actually outline the differences between the intellectual problem of evil and the emotional. Now, I just want to give our our listeners, so we don't lose you early on in the, in the show here today, um, what do we mean when we say the intellectual problem of evil? Basically, even unbelieving thinkers have come to the conclusion that philosophers, okay, unbelieving philosophers have now recognized that there are logical answers to the so-called logical problem of evil. What's the difference in the two? The logical problem of evil is based about an equation. If this, then why that? You know, and follow, you know, not following, you know, you got to not be, have the law of non-contradiction and all that. So the logical problem of evil really is getting at, okay, people have said, Ben, that it is logically impossible for a good god to exist coexist in an evil world the logical problem of evil actually is easier to answer than the emotional problem the logical problem of evil doesn't allow you have to allow for the world of possibilities this is the actual world that God created and sent his son to, Ben. This is the world that God created humans and, and created all creation and called it good. The, the tov, the good creation of Genesis. Mm-hmm. So this is the real world. But when people say that a good God and evil cannot coexist, what they're getting at, Ben, is their perspective uh, of God really it is a is a presuppositional commitment that says um that this could not possibly be so but one could also posit that a god who is good by definition and nature can indeed exist in an evil world which by the way that is the case in the actual world 
So I want to rewind a little bit because we got in into the weeds and the, and the head and the clouds a bit. The logical problem of evil is is more about a mathematical equation. Logical syllogisms and those kind of categories come to mind. But logical syllogisms do not answer us when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when there's a tragedy in the community. The community that I live in recently, been there was um, a teenager uh, that was involved in an accident that um, ended up being fatal on her way to school. And that's a tragedy. And, and so people in our community are asking questions about how could God allow this to happen? Well, I, I'm not going to even pretend to have answers for that family except to say that God knows what they're going through. And God didn't cause this thing to happen, this horrible thing to happen. So for me to go to that family and use the logical problem and, and the logical explanation that may not resonate with the hearts of that family. Yeah, yeah, there's 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 so many different ways we could go with that, and we don't have time to cover them all. But again, I, I refer back to what Piccarelli says. Um, I believe it's either in Free Will Revisited or his newest book, God in Eternity and Time. But but one of the things that we have to understand about sovereignty and about um, the the freedom that man has to to make choices is that nothing is actually certain until it occurs. So so God is sovereign in this world, but He's created men and women with the faculties to choose. Four lines calls it. You mentioned this, the framework of possibilities. So within the garden, there was a framework of possibilities. For Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree in this garden except that one. That's a choice. That's not God's fault. That's not God's predeterminism saying that they're going to eat of this tree, but that's God giving them the the, the personality and the, the humanity to make a choice. So when we look at the problem of evil, what we're saying is that well, the problem of evil ultimately is me, and it's you. You know, isn't, isn't that what uh, – was it G. Campbell Morgan that wrote that letter? And uh, somebody wrote a letter to him. I think it was G. Campbell Morgan. And somebody wrote a letter to him and said, um, you know, Dr. Morgan, like, what's the problem of evil, blah, blah, blah. Like, why is there so much evil in the world, and and what is the cause of all this? And he wrote back and said something like, the problem of evil is – the problem of the world is me. I'm the problem. Yeah. Well, and in these conversations too, Ben, I mean, Arminians affirm the doctrine of total depravity. Mm-hmm. Um, we we cannot come to Christ on our own. And when we talk about free will, we don't mean, we're not talking about soteriology in this moment right now. We're talking about no. kind of this inescapable question. And one of the things that I didn't adequately explain earlier, I went on a rabbit chase and uh, one of my one of my professors at Welch during my undergraduate studies said, if you're going to chase a rabbit, at least catch him. I don't know if we caught him, Ben, um, <laughs> but a summary statement, <laughs> a summary statement about the difference between the logical problem and the emotional problem. For those who may be still wondering, what are we talking about? The logical problem of evil concerns how to give a rational explanation 
of the coexistence of God and evil. The emotional problem, on the other hand, concerns how do we comfort people who are hurting and how do we dissolve the emotional dislike people have of a good God who would permit such evil? So I think that's very important for us to consider. Um, and, And as we even think about this, human nature is tainted with sin. Mm-hmm. We are unable to come to Christ outside the work of his spirit, outside of Christ's imputed righteousness and drawing and, and calling to us. And yet, at the same time, humans are still made in the image and likeness of God. So when we talk about total depravity in the context of the problem of evil, man is not ontologically evil, Ben. We have evil in us by nature of being identified with the first Adam. But we're also the pinnacle of his creation. Yeah. We're called his handiwork. We're called um, the ones in, 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 in Psalm 8 that he has given us dominion over all these create creational aspects. So I think that actually has implications on later on that we could talk about anthropology we could talk about missions we could talk about ecclesiology there's a lot of different things that come up later on about humanity and i mention this here because there is a balance in scripture we are sinners but we're not fundamentally sinners we're fundamentally something else i mean god describes us as good mm-hmm. so yeah the fall happened in genesis 3 and this is where the heresies in the in the church arose, right? Then where you've got Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism. And Arminius really wanted to push back against accusations of Pelagianism and say, no, like I affirm this, but I also can't Arminius could not affirm that a, that God caused evil. And that's very important. Now, I think it's important for us also to think about the problem of evil. Let's bring it down to the real world, Ben. How many times in our lives have we gone through something that was horrible? In the moment, it felt uncomfortable. And yet, God allowed us to go through that thing for reasons we didn't understand at the time to produce endurance and character and to develop and form us. So pain and suffering often bring about a greater good in our lives, but God's permitting and God's causing are not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good word. God's permitting and God's causing are not the same thing um, because it, it helps us to understand the relationship between his allowance and his sovereignty, right? That, that there are things in this world that God allows, not because he wants to harm us or because he wants to, punish us for something but because like we said he's created us as uh thinking feeling and acting beings we think with our minds feel with our hearts and act with our wills and we're rational so we have the capacity to make choices this is uh something that matt and i talked about um that that human beings have the capacities capacity to make choices we make choices every day every single day so, uh, Dustin, I want to I want to then shift gears. Like, let's talk about what the solution is. Like, what does the Bible say um, for how we uh, wage war against the problem of evil? Like, what is it that we do, um, or that that God is doing to restore uh, the the world from its evil 
nature and its fallenness. Um, well, let's just let's think, start Genesis three, like you said. I think a reformational worldview, which, by the way, as Reformed Arminians, we align ourselves with this. Um, uh, a reformational worldview is outlined under the basic categories of creation fall redemption and sometimes we'll have uh, the category of consummation or the eschatological kingdom there's different ways people talk about christ returning but um creation fall redemption and so god created genesis 1 and 2 he saw everything that he made and it was good and how many times we see it was good and then genesis yeah. 3 happens um where um eve is deceived by the serpent adam partakes willingly with his wife, uh, rather sure. than defending her and, and protecting her, he participates in this thing. Tries to tries to blame her. Yeah, and this, this so there's this uh, vertical relationship between God that's immediately broken and the horizontal because yeah. Genesis three, you know the story, and our listeners know the story, and I encourage all of you reread the the fall story, the whole thing in Genesis. I recently had an opportunity to preach this, and I preached the whole passage, Ben. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like I can't just take a verse and pick it out of this or it's going to be not the authorial intent. So this is the problem. We have rebelled against God in our will. We have willfully rejected God's command. We have chosen our way as better, which has resulted in shame, se separation and brokenness. Now, mm -hmm. you ask a question about the solution. The short answer is, um, it's like when you're in uh, children's church and you ask the kids, what is the answer? And they always Jesus. tell you, Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> but in this yeah. case, in this case, the solution to the problem of evil or the fall, as we refer to it in Christian circles, is the Messiah. Yeah. yeah. And I'm is, so is thankful it? that God steps in, Ben. As early as Genesis 3.15, and he promises that some being, this entity of this offspring of the woman, is going to crush the head of the serpent. That offspring ultimately is going to lead to the whole messianic tradition of our Abrahamic faith, the covenant that we get grafted in. And there's just so much rich biblical literature there. But the solution to the problem of evil is the Messiah. And ultimately, Ben, I'm so thankful for how the Bible starts in a garden and the Bible ends in a garden. And one of the verses that often gets overlooked is Revelation 22, 2. And the curse will be no more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I automatically went to Isaiah 65 where he says that, that God will make all things new. And uh, I love what Bruce Ashford, Ashford says. He's not God's not making all new things, but He's making all things new. In other words, there there's a restorative nature to uh, what is going on um, as God is working in and through the world to restore it to its original purposes. So, yeah, and Ashford uh, is and responding from kind of a Kuyperian understanding of sphere sovereignty, um, which yeah, is. Yeah has some Calvinistic tendencies, but I'm actually learning a lot about these different things from, from sphere sovereignty and all that. And there are implications on, on transformation and how we live out the world. And, and one of the things that I do want our listeners to think about, Calvin actually talked about something called common grace. Yeah. Common grace, it can mean a lot of different things, but one of the things that common grace does is in the goodness of God, it rains on the evil and the just. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and what that means is God is actually in his sovereignty limited evil because, because if God had not intervened and limited evil, even, even government, for example, what is the relationship right. of government to evil? Because there are people in our world today, Ben, who want complete anarchy. That they they want uh, no government, and that's one of the problems I have with the political party known as libertarianism. Now we're not going into politics in this episode, but there is a difference between a freedom that restricts and a freedom that permits whatever. Because if you let human yeah, beings yeah. do whatever they want, you're going to have something like the the movie The Purge, where we're just going to be horrible right. to each other, and so. Right. In God's common grace, he is established, as Kuiper would say, the magistrate. And I think that's directly connected to what you're saying here. Well, and 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 isn't it true, too? I think uh, you and I both had Dr. Kevin Hester at Welch. But one of the things that he I remember him discussing, especially with Christian liberty, is that. Uh, like w- when there's. 100 percent freedom in the sense of uh, there's no restrictive in in our lives that's not true freedom freedom really in in essence is the the giving up of something for the greater good of somebody else because we have the freedom to choose and to and to sacrifice and to do away with certain things or give up so that others can flourish so that society can flourish what whatever you throw in political sphere or you know or uh the education world i mean anything right yeah, I, I think mean, that's so rich. I mean, and, and there's so many different avenues and implications that our listeners can probably think of as we're talking about this. Um, but one of the things that we really have to think about in our culture, we've made happiness the number one value. I mean, love yes. and happiness are like the virtues of our day. And I alluded to that in my post on misguided love where I interacted with Augustine and C.S. Lewis. And yeah. I hope our readers will go back and look at that because I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. But but we all want to be happy and we all want to be comfortable. But William Lane Craig and J.P. Moreland in that same book I referenced earlier, the Philosophical Foundation book, they said that man's chief purpose in life is not happiness but the knowledge of God. Right. And And connected to that is a second principle that humans are in a state of rebellion against God and a third principle. God's purpose is not restricted to this life only, but spills on over to life beyond the grave. And then number four, the knowledge of God is basically a, a good that is to be treasured above all. And so yeah. the point of that, Ben, is to say when our family members go through trials in this life, we need to do what the scripture says, and we need to grieve with those who grieve. And mm-hmm. as Protestant Christians, Ben, I, I'll say this. We don't understand the dark night of the soul. We, how many times at Easter time do we talk about it's Friday, but good, but it's but Sunday's coming? I appreciate that video from S.M. Lockridge and his sermon from all those years ago. But, but, but I really think, Ben, we need to do a better job about grief and we need to do a better yes. job about thinking about in Romans 8, the whole creation groans with eager anticipation for the Messiah to come back. That means the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and humans have all been tainted through this problem of evil in the Garden of Eden, the fall. My point is to say, we're too quick, Ben, to jump to Romans 8.31. All things work together 
who who love God and call according to his purpose. And we do not spend time talking about the groaning of creation. And I think we've got to get this right. There is a tension in the Bible that there is a now and a not yet, that there is a pain that is sometimes inexplainable. And I think about Job. Job went through such a horrible thing. His yeah. friends began to theologize about why are you going through this hard time? And their conclusion ultimately was, you know, you've disobeyed God, and this is why you're suffering. Now, I do want to say this as an Arminian. Arminius labored to demonstrate that God is not the author of evil, that he permits it. Uh, he really had a problem with like a predestination that would would make God the author of sin. Arminius took that to task, and I think he did well with that. But one of the things that I want to say as a Reformed Arminian, Ben, is there is a passage in Isaiah that I can't remember the chapter. Perhaps it's 45, where the Lord says numerous times, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh Elohim. And basically, the question becomes, can we receive only good from God and not evil? I don't think Arminius was trying to say that. If we go through something in, in life, it could be from God. It could be an act of judgment, even though I don't think the retributive view of justice is really what we're getting at here with the pain and suffering that we feel existentially. Um, as an Arminian, we need to be humble. And we need to recognize that there's stuff that happens in our lives, in our families, in our churches uh, that really is is quite awful. Um, shall we receive Ben only good from the Lord and not evil? And and I think that verse in Isaiah uh, reminds us of sovereignty and it reminds us of our place. And yet, as we think about this problem of evil that we've been discussing today, this is a, this is a problem that every last one of our listeners can identify with if they're honest enough to slow down and reflect on things. There are things in this life that are hard. But how do we respond to that? There is rampant addiction in our culture. People are, are saying to us, you know, we we want to hear you and you guys talk about how to apply this. You know, our listeners are maybe driving in their car, they're cleaning their house and they're listening to our podcast and they're like, OK, how does this work itself out? Well, whenever you're faced with a trial or something that you feel like you just can't overcome. Take a step back. And recognize that God hasn't abandoned you in your suffering. In fact, we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with us in all of our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And a world without pain and suffering is home. But this world is indeed not our home. We are pilgrims. And C.S. Lewis reminds us of the pain that we feel in this reality. Reminds us there's a bigger reality. And dear listener, I just want to encourage you if I can. I know I've been a little preachy today, Ben, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> sorry. But but we we feel this when the healing doesn't come. And I think that's one of the dangers of the prosperity gospel is even in our small little Baptist and free will Baptist churches, people have been influenced by this belief that every moment of their day is supposed to be positive and encouraging. And that's not true. And yet, 
even through that, there's passages like James. I encourage our listeners, go go read the book of James. Go read in Romans how patience is being produced and character is being produced in us as we suffer. And listen, if you're listening to us today and, and you're really just um, you're going through it, we hope that you have a have have a knowledge of the fact that God hasn't abandoned you, that this is a product of sin in the world. And yet we also hope that you have a community of believers that you can identify with in the local church, a place that you can be vulnerable, a place that you can feel loved and supported, a place that helps you understand how to make sense of all the mess in the world through Christ. Our hope here at Everyday Theology, uh, dear listener, is, is that as we talk about these deep theological things, that you'll figure out how to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, apply these things to practice in your life. And even if you're having a bad day, God hasn't abandoned you, and he's there for you. And um, we need to do a better job in framing all of reality in this sort of reformational worldview thinking, creation, fall, and redemption. Yeah, I think there's um, so much there. You know, the Psalms have a whole category of lament. Um, we've we've lost our ways to lament. Um, you know, there's there's so... Uh, many passages in the New Testament, again, like creation groans, but God's working all things for good. I, I immediately went to James 1, uh, counted all joy, brothers, when you receive trials of various kinds, because the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, th that What that tells us is that, um, that God is good even amidst the evil that's in this world. And it tells us that that we can have surety that there is uh, that there is a good God that is behind all of this mess in this fallen world um, that is working for our good and for His glory. Um, so, Amen. Dustin, any any concluding thoughts here uh, before we sign off? As we wrap up today, we've talked a lot about the problem of evil. Uh, we encourage you, read the Bible for yourself. See if this this lens, this approach to reading the scriptures resonates with you. And then the next thing I want to say as we wrap up here today, Ben, if you find yourself doubting God's goodness, if you're in the thick of just brokenness today, whether in your family or in your church, dear pastor, if you're discouraged because what's happening in the world and and your desire to see your church alive and vibrant from God, and you feel beat up and oppressed by the enemy, I just want to remind you to think about how God has been good to you personally in the past. And if you begin to think about that, even for just five minutes today, you'll be reminded that not only has God been faithful to you, but if you think about his faithfulness to his covenant people through the whole scriptures, Old and New Testament's been, it's amazing. It is amazing to think about the goodness, the faithfulness, and the patience of our God. And all of our life, he has been faithful. In the darkest night, he is close like no other. And we can know him as father and friend. And even when it doesn't feel comfortable, we live in the goodness of God. Absolutely. So, dear listener, we pray that... Uh, the solution to the problem of evil is not uh, some way that you try to fix things yourself, but that you rely on a God who is good 
and who is sovereign and who is working all things good and evil for your good and for his glory.